Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, from thebigkickoff.com. It's Nathan Doyle, and joining us today is former St. Pat's player and UCD Limerick and Bray Wanderers manager, Martin Russell. Martin, welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Roy. Brilliant. Listen, there was the FAI Cup final day today with the two big names of Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk battling out at a foggy Aviva Stadium. And it turned out to be a fantastic game with Dundalk edging a 4-2 to lift the FAI Cup. Nathan, firstly, when you looked at the pitch for a cup final, it was a bit disappointing, but it never seemed to affect the game or how the teams played. No, thankfully not, because uh, leading up to the game, there was a lot of focus on it. Obviously, with the rugby on yesterday, the, the pitch was very patchy and cut up in places, especially in the middle of the park. But as you said, uh, both sides were still able to adapt a good... Um, a good free flow and pass game for the most part and it wasn't a factor at all which like that was good to see because that would have took away from the occasion wouldn't it if we were coming out of this game talking about a rough pitch or we're talking about how like how a lack of plans really ruined the final it would have taken away from what was essentially a fantastic game of football and a great advertising for the League of Ireland yeah, Martin D- Dundalk decided to change the three four three. I think they changed in the last couple of games, uh, just like Rovers. What do you make of that system, and how? Why do you think they did that? Was it just to nullify the Rovers threat? Yeah, it probably looks that way, Roy. You know, um, I mean, we talk about systems, but for me, you know, systems are, you know, systems. It's the movement within a system that's important. You know, and um, I mean, the quality um, of both sides today was commendable in terms of. You know, they went head to head. Probably, is it been critical of, of uh, maybe maybe quality in the final tour from both teams, whether it be finishing or individual play in terms of players taking on the players. Maybe that was lacking. But um, having said that, you know, the game gave up a lot of good moments between um, you know the comeback from Dundalk and then again the reply from Rovers with um, a tremendous header. Um, so. You know, it, it had a lot of good moments, and I was really pleased to see Dave McMillan, who's an ex-UCD player, um, you know, getting Patrick, which is, you know, he's only been three times now in, in the whole of the, the competition. Yeah, a, a, a good hat-trick for someone who, as he said himself, didn't seem to be in the game for for long periods of time at the start of the game. But, Nathan, was it fair to say that like, Dundalk did start well, kind of a bit edged it on possession, but Rovers for, you know, after 20 minutes in the game, up onto extra time, dominated the game. Yeah, I dominated most of the, of the 90 minutes. As you said, it was um, it was a bit of a classic cup final start of the game, wasn't it? It was a bit tight, it was a bit cagey. But Shamrock Rovers really tried to open up, um, especially in the second half. I, I feel they really came into their own. And we've seen Dundalk struggle to really break them down and to cause any issues. The likes of Michael Duffy and McElhenney were very quiet, which is very uncharacteristic of them. But they were just struggling to get on the ball. And these are the sort of players that Dundalk rely on to, to really make something happen. And like you said, like Macmillan was there with a the game. For, for, for sections of it and I think that had a lot to do with the likes of Michael Duffy being isolated and being very quiet like even look at them dark in 90 minutes the only player that really looked like doing something going forward was Sean Gannon and that's, that's the right back so that's what really says all you need to know about um, what, 
Yeah, and if you look, I think the, I think the, I think the, I think the biggest chance, right? Sorry, I think the biggest, the biggest chance of a tournament point when it's whenever he's looked back at would be um, Graham Brooks' chance, where he's probably the best move of the game, and um, he just needed that calmness to slow it away, and uh, he just has the mind to get on target, and you know, in dark, thankfully we're able to get away with it, and um, ultimately win the cup on on the day. Yeah, when you look at that, like in the in in the first half. Bork and Bourne probably were a lot more inventive, and especially in the second half, than Duffy and McElhenney. That was probably the, what was turning the tide towards Rovers. They were, I suppose, creating that yeah. little bit more than than yeah. Dundalk were. And yeah, but, but without, 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 without really sort of cultivating too many clear cut chances for them. I mean, I think the chance that they had, um, the the strike from outside the box, and uh, the one the, the good save from Bork's uh, free kick. Yeah. You know where 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 the, where the chance that Rogers had to walk. Uh, he was probably the, the, the keeper that had more walk on throughout the course of the game. Um, with you know, listen, I mean, credit 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 to both sides. And again, it's not it's not not it's not you know too often that you see you know Dundalk can see two set players. And um, you know, my 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 thoughts for the game was well, that was where maybe Rovers would have lacked. Um, Glad to bit, but they, they definitely, you know, they, they, they did well in scoring those two goals from, from players and, and, and probably highlighted. And you know, just, a, a just on that goal. In the, the zonal market. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Just on that, the, the first goal especially, it was so notable, the zonal mark, and Aaron Green was left. Mm. There was no yeah. one marking him in the first place. No one lift, left him or drifted away. He just no. wasn't being marked at all. Well, that's that, 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 that can be, you know, the... the Sort of the Achilles heel is on the marking where you've got six people in, in places as opposed to marking players. And maybe if you look back at the goal, if, 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 if Dave McNeil hadn't taken a step back, Adam would have been in the opposite position. But mm. Dave took a step back and I think kept, kept Adam on. Um, but having said that, you know, if a ball comes into your box in, in a set play like that, you know, you want to be the winner of the first ball and not getting, not letting people get across you like, um, and Grace done ever so well getting getting ahead of the director towards goal. So with Dundalk having having won the first having not won the first ball and also, you know, Aaron Green is standing in a non side position to, to put it away. Yeah, I think that's why most people aren't in favour of the, the zonal mark and it just leaves too many gaps and grey areas. Um, the goal from Macmillan uh, in off two posts and in, just got in ahead of Scales and reacted quicker. Then he got taken down by Scales again for the, the penalty. Was Nathan, was that a soft one or is that one that defenders have, you know, they're playing before if they put hands on the attacker? Yeah, yeah, like it's... Uh it happens all the time, doesn't it? You see a pretty big, pretty much most corner kicks. You're grappling, grappling, and players pulling out, which are short, but definitely does fall into the category of he's playing with fire when they, um, when you're grabbing under someone short like that. And in fairness to the referee, there was no hesitation. He had a good view of that, and he pointed it to the spot straight away. So he was pretty confident in his decision. And of course, all these goals, 68, 78, and 73rd minute. 
Lopez with an absolutely towering header to make yeah. it 2 2 Martin. And as you said, mm. it, it'll come back to haunt them. I, mean, I thought Graham Bork was excellent tonight. I thought he was, I thought he was br- brilliant in, in, in all he did. Apart from, as you said yourself, when he had that move down the wing with Marshall McAneff and in the box, it was just that bit of composure to, to slide one. Uh, it's easy to say for mm. us, but to, to, to slide it into the far corner instead of blasting it. When you get into that kind of position, and you're in a cup final, you're you're getting tired, it's in extra time. Mm. Does it have to be just in you to, you know, have that composure? Or or, or, or what is it there that he's missed well, out? I, I, mean, you, I mean, it's difficult to say, because I mean, you, you look at Dayton's last finish, um, now again, it's right at the end of the game, they are leading, it's not a must-score goal, but, you know, he, he's finished his quality right in the corner. Um, and even his first goal, to be fair to McMillan, um, he's wrapped his foot around there and he's made sure he's got it on target. I mean, Graham will look back, and you're right in, in saying that he was very instrumental in, in a lot of the good stuff that Rose were doing. Um, always available for the ball, always getting to the pocket, um, showing a calmness on the ball. But the one time you really wanted to see that calmness was that instant. And, you know, sometimes in, in tight games, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's when it matters that you need to show it. And um, he'll probably he'll be taken back tonight, no doubt, torn and tossing fans. If only I had that chance again. Yeah, and I think it was definitely there for Rovers to go on and take. But it was like one of those, you remember the Grand Nationals and they're coming up the, the last straight. Yeah. Uh, they've got over the last hurdle and uh, there's always someone who's there slogging away in the background. And it just looked like Dundalk had that little extra bit yeah. of energy for the last 10 minutes. You, you, know, you, you know, Dundalk have been multiple champions for no you know, for, for the reason of you know, believing in themselves, sticking at it, and they, even when they're not playing well, and they didn't play well today, knowing that they can still get back into a game, and they show that quality again. And it was those couple of minutes where from Rowe was looking in total control to wonder would, would, would the dog even create a chance to suddenly being 2-1 ahead um, with McMillan and the penalty that the game turned. And then, you know, yes, Rowe gets back into the, gets Rowe back on level terms, but it, was, it was then another 50-50 game. And probably, you know, with substitutions or whatever, it, it loses some of its cohesion from both sets of teams. But probably, if you look back, again, Dundalk did finish strong in, in, in terms of the extra extra time. And, um, yeah, they're probably forced to win it, but again, you've got to give them credit for that never-say-die attitude. That they've not just shown today, but in the course of winning multiple championships. Nathan, who stood out for you in the game? Uh, obviously, look, everyone's coming to to today, Macmillan. Uh, it's always going to be the one. For me, even he's on the losing side, I continue to be impressed with uh, with Lopez the back for Shamrock Rovers. Every time I see him, season in, season out, he's just constantly seems to be improving his game and he's, he's just becoming a real leader back there. Where he's younger days, even at Bohemians, you know, like some of the, the, the tackles and decision making was always a bit rash. Well, that seems to be gone out of his game now and he seems to be um, a real solid hand for Shamrock Rovers at the back and he seems to be a real key figure for him going forward like for me even this season he's probably been my player of the season this season even ahead of Jack Bourne so again I thought he had a, he had a good game today um, as much as as much as much he could he didn't really put much of a foot on obviously the header is going to be what he's going to be remembered for most but I, he impressed me today and I think if it was a Sean McGrover fan it, it definitely he's, he's one of the key players you'd want to see next season because the partnership that he has there with Grace and he also have young Liam Scales coming into the team now with it's looking good going forward for them. So for me, yes, obviously Dave McFinland is going to 
he mentioned, but yeah, Lopez, I thought, had a, had a good game and he continues to impress. It's been reported today that Jack Bourne uh, Martin has been offered a good contract to stay at Rovers. But Mick McCarthy has shown interest in him trying to bring him to Cyprus. And there's also interest from the MLS. Does Jack Bourne need to leave the League of Ireland if he wants to make progress in his career and his international career? Or can he stay at home? I think it's probably short after that. If, if he wants to make progress, yes, he would have to leave. Um, you, know, we, 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 you know, we can't be kidding ourselves. We are where we are. You only have to look at our European results to see where we are in the standings of European football. We have a lot of work to do. Ideally, for the league, you'd want to keep the Jack Bourne in the league and, 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 and help them progression. Um, but for himself, for you know, self, selfish reasons, I think he'd have to look to try and get to, to a higher level. Um, now, whether that's, I mean, people question whatever league, you know, foreign league goes, so would that be much of it? But I think, um, you know, maybe financially and professionally, it's probably a decision that, you know, it'll take time to make. And ultimately, it'll, it'll come down to his own, you know, individual feelings because, you know, there's also personal um, issues there where you may well be happy living in Ireland. And you know you can't put a price on that either. So, um, but I think for the for the league, you want to keep those players for themselves. I think you know there's there's bigger places to go in, in the football world than than Ireland at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, Nathan Filippo Giovagnoli has has won his first trophy. Has he improved the dark side since he's come in? I think we're only talking about this. What a reason enough. And I'm like I'm not sure if he improved much on on the um the on field uh, side of play or anything, but I think I think I said it before and I'd say it again. I think he's definitely he's done enough to to, to earn um to stay on, and it'd be great. It'd be interesting to see how he does next season. Uh, and putting his own stamp on the team and going forward because like there was a lot of speculation around the guys when, when he first came in. He was, he was an unknown. So he had a, like straight away off the bat. There was a lot of criticism around the appointment, but in fairness to him, he's he, he, I know the, the European results haven't been great, but as Martin said, that's just kind of just where we are at the moment. That's just the way it is. But he's he's got him into the European football again for next season, and he, he's picked up another piece of silverware for the club. That's been in a, in a, been a successful modern one for them. So. Well, for me, he hasn't overly improved much on the pitch. It'll definitely be interesting to see what he can do with a full season next year. What about yourself, Martin? What do you think? Do you think the, the two teams, Dundalk and Rovers, can they make any impression on Europe next year? Um, it'll be difficult. You know, you only have to look at you know, what, what's happened this season. Um, but, you know, Rovers have definitely bridged the gap with Dundalk. And our people, are, you know, as we've said, that they've maybe there's been a change in the guard in terms of winning the championship and it's full steam ahead for Rovers now. But even having said that, you know, Rovers still have a lot to do to leave, to leave America in Europe. Um, you know, we've got to find ways forward, I think, of more investment in the game, of getting, getting better quality players into our league as opposed to leaving. And that's easier said than done because, you know, it's just, it is that investment that's always been lacking in the game. Um, so for any other side in the foreseeable future, to make inroads into European competitions, which is what we ultimately want to do, it's going to be a, a, a difficult task. What about yourself, Martin? You've been out of uh, League of Ireland management for mm-hmm. a while. Would you be uh, itching to get back into League of Ireland? Again, yeah, no, I mean, I've, since I've come, since I've returned to Ireland, both as a player and a coach, I just want to be involved in whatever positive setups that, that will have me and positive projects that we, you know, 
he could he could play a part in. So whether it's League of Ireland um, or, or whatever them in the country, um, you know, whatever good projects that are there, football and projects, if I can help out, you know, I'm more than willing to do so. You know, um, so we'll see. But um, I think there's a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of work still to be done. And I know the FAI, I think they're putting plans in place for, you know, more academies and and, and you know, developing the players, which is ultimately, you know, the next generation. Where do they come from? How do they progress? It's a big question to any sort of future. Um, and, you know, you can see from where we are at the moment that we have a lot of work in that area to do. So if there's work there, you know, um, as I said, yeah, uh, I'd be looking to help out. Just on, and you're obviously willing to be uh, as happy to coach as you are to manage. But just uh, one question that's always baffled, I suppose a lot of people is, mm. this country fails in getting quality strikers out there. We've had new, obviously goalkeepers, rifles, centre-backs. We've had all that, but we, we, we failed to, to develop any quality centre-forwards. Why do you think that is and, and what can be done to, to, to change that? Um, I think probably one of the biggest factors is that as a country, we've always probably played um, from the grassroots up to the fear of losing. You know, if you look at if you look at the philosophy of football throughout different countries, you know, the, from the flair of the, the South Americans to, the, you know, to probably um, from the technical point of view, but the, the development of young players in the likes of Holland, uh, France, and stuff like that, where there's, you know, always a great, you know, tanking element. I just think, you know, historically that, you know, the games play at a grassroots with a lot of fear. Um, as, opposed to, as opposed to expression. But we've talked to this before, you know, it, it is a long process to change that if you want to get creative players. And you really have to probably really set up a task force to say, how can we create, you know, nine or ten centre forwards, number tens, wide players in the next few years? It really, it really takes something like that to go and say, listen, we want to make a, a, you know, a definite decision that. This is this is what we want. But particularly now, when you look at the first team and the national team, you know, playing playing out from the back. And, and one of the things that you probably would have criticised again to the amount of ball that we've had possession-wise in our recent international senior games, we're still probably not getting a reward in, in in the final third and shots on goals and creativity. So you can have a lot of ball between the, the, two, the two boxes, but it's ultimately in the final third where you win and lose games. Yeah, that's a, that's a hundred percent. And it, it firstly, it shows that there's good footballers in the country that were able to play football. Um, and of course, if that's pushed on, pressed on, coached uh, within uh, a system throughout the country, well, there's no reason why we can't be like that. But it is, as you said, the final third having those players who can open up something, having those players who can break the lines, and of course, that player who can finish yeah. out, out of nothing, which is. Which is the yeah. key, and I suppose I think, that's that's why they go for a big money. Yeah, and I think if you look at the trends of the game, right? You know, you look back at you know we talk about you know the, the last time that the great Irish team that was successful with my Jack. You know, you could really put a ball into the box, so you, you know you could win aerial duels and stuff like that. Now there's a lot of sort of defending of you know defenders can't really touch players anymore. You know, and it's more about movement. It's more about unlocking defenses. It's more about pace in the final third and trickery, which I, I like, you know, um, as opposed to days past where it was up and at you and, you know, balls into the box every every time. Um, but there is a case you made, no doubt, that, 
you know, this team that can overplay and don't put the ball into the dangerous areas. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the Vegas game, for example, the, the Graham Brook, where he found half a yard and he put a great ball across the goal and the boys were just fractions away from sticking home. Um, there are times that you've got to get balls in the good areas. Um, but I think the game has moved into a, an area where it's more about movement and decision-making and, and, and quality of, of you know, into the play in the final tours that decide most games. And especially now when you see teams lining up with five across the back line and three and sitting in front of them, there seems to be a lot more of that now. So it is about dragging those players around. And uh, but it's also, again, on the counter to that, is that you'll see that, uh, you know, you'll see that teams are set up in a way to, to, to ask people to come on to them so that they leave space to counter attack in. So, you know, um, that's another interesting situation. But you want to have, if you, for example, if Ireland's going to want to set up that way, of inviting teams on and then counter-attacking, we've got to have a hell of explosive players to, to break on teams. And I don't think we're equipped to do that now either. So we're cutting a catch-22. We're trying to play a possession game where, again, we're struggling to find enough, what would you say, armory in the final third to take our possession into, into chances to score goals. But equally, if you want to sit back and invite teams on uh, and, and do it on the counter, it's difficult because we haven't got the explosive pace to hold teams like other teams would have, no? Yeah, and just kind of finish off with you there, Martin. Uh, with Stephen Kenny, he's been getting slated by, I suppose, a lot of impatient people. We've been talking about myself and Nathan here on this show. There has to be patience given. He's the football has yeah. been the football has been good. The progress I think has been good. Obviously, as you said in the final third, we just don't have those players. Is that all it's, yeah. it's come down to now? Again, what I, what I would say is, you know, and this and, I, and this is a reference to, you know, football being a results game is very true. You know, people, um, you know, when, when you're not winning games, everything is wrong. You know, and I found that before people, will, you know, to to to, to lose a team, you know, everybody can manage the team better. He should have been playing there. You know, so results will have, you know, will will, will, you know, will affect the manager. Um, probably, you know, Stephen. He's dying for results, you know, and I think, um, as you say, we've got, we, we do have to be patient, especially if we're changing the philosophy of the, of the, of the way we play. It's not going to happen overnight, particularly for a country that has no real, you know, real record in dominating game, in the recent, in the recent part of dominating possession-wise in games. I mean, I can't think in the last uh, 25 years where we've gone to too many games where we've had possession states in our favour, you know. Um so we're trying, Stephen's trying to change that. It does need time. From, probably from a results point of view, maybe, maybe maybe there's a question that, you know, could we have changed our system slightly in terms of playing two centre-forwards up front or playing a little bit more? Not what we're going to say, and here's not going against what I, what, I, what I try and preach, but maybe playing a little bit more longer passes into our forwards rather than, um, and having two centre-forwards as opposed to having a lone striker. I think maybe something like that Stephen might look at if he hasn't got what he wants to have. Because I think we've played the same system. And what's been noticed is that when, when there's been changes made, I think we've kept the same system. So we've always played, whereas we need, might need to do something, Stephen might need to look at doing something a little different in terms of, you know, of the each of the style of systems with the, with, the, with the appropriate movement and play the whole teams yeah so just something else to try and open up the teams I suppose uh, to make a basic terms have that plan B really yeah 
it's a, yeah, it's a plan B. And we have that's the one we probably haven't seen that yet. That's the thing. Uh, you know, it's been light for light coming off. And other teams are quite set. So if there was something that he could cheat, and, and it does come back to players as well. I mean, he's probably, he's probably wanting to do that and he probably doesn't think he's got a twin strike force or enough mobility in the field or whatever that he wants to keep it as it is. But he's, he's looking for a result. And if, if it means tweaking things a little bit, then, you know, that might be a way of doing it. Yeah. Nathan, that's probably the, it's a wrap for the League of Ireland. It's a wrap for the Republic of Ireland. What would you like to see next year? And obviously, the the, the group stage for the World Cup is uh, qualifiers is being drawn tomorrow uh, on Monday. What would you like to see for twenty twenty one? Well, uh, St Pat's fans, so I'd like to see uh, St Pat's fortunes of St Pat's going around. Yeah, okay. Be, re- be, be realistic. Be realistic there, Nathan. Um, look, everyone's going to say they'd like to see fans returning to the ground, which is always, always the one you, you want to see. Like, even been down at Richmond Park myself. Um, I've been lucky enough to go down this season as a volunteer, but it just isn't the same. So it'd be great to see the fans come back in to League of Ireland ground, which is the heart of the, of the league. Uh, in terms of international stage, yeah, like like Martin said, it's, um, David just he just be desperate for a result now at this stage. It'd be great to see him get going because. I've seen a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Zay, he's definitely and that way." Well, he's not. Like Stephen Kenny's one of the finest coaches in, the, um, in, in this country. So to, to see him get to like get to the, the, the respect he deserves and to get some some good uh, results under his belt would be very important going forward. And I think he's just lacking some serious momentum at the moment. And look, look, we've been lucky with COVID and injuries and things like that. But the change of fortune for for Stephen Kenny obviously would be very good to see because. Anyone that's, that's seen him in the League of Ireland knows what he can do as a coach and he's been unbelievably successful taking it on dark sides that were fighting relegation up to the, one of the best sides um, in the country has seen in a long time. So definitely be nice to see Stephen Kenny be able to turn things around because he definitely deserves it. And he's, he, you can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to change so much but Unfortunately, uh, fans at the moment don't seem to be willing to be given uh, any any time to do that. Yeah, that's just the way uh, fans are these days. Okay, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Martin, thanks very much. You're a gentleman. Nathan, thank you, yeah. thank you as always, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, very soon.